1: It's time once again for another look into God's infallible book, and we want to welcome you to another broadcast of The Riches of Grace. This program is brought to you by Christian people that believe the Bible to be the Word of God and who appreciate its power and authority. My name is Richard Jordan, and it's my privilege to be your Bible teacher each week as we meet together here to look into the pages of God's Word and allow the Spirit of God to teach us out of His Word. We do trust that our time together be a rich blessing and help to you. Uh, last week, we began a, uh, what I, I think is probably going to be just a little short series uh, of, of studies together each week on, on the topic of mysteries that are solved by the mystery. Now, when I say the mystery, I'm talking about the uh, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which has kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. In the Bible, there is something that the Apostle Paul identifies as the mystery of Christ. That is, there's a message that God himself kept secret since the world began, but revealed to and through the Apostle Paul. And the mystery is set in contrast in the Bible to prophecy. The Apostle Peter, in Acts chapter 3, verse 21, when he's teaching uh, the nation Israel there in Jerusalem, uh, the chapter after the day, the great day of Pentecost in Acts 2, he says to them, he says that uh, that, uh, the things that were happening uh, there in, in, in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and, and during the earth and the ministry of Christ, his resurrection and his ascension into heaven, he says that um, these are the things which were spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. Prophecy in the Bible, in essence, is that which God has been speaking, making known, and revealing since the world began through the mouth of all his holy prof- uh, prophets. And it's been revealed by God. He told Amos, he says, I'll do nothing except I reveal it to my servants, the prophets. And God has, by the mouth of all his holy prophets, spoken and revealed his plan and purpose through the nation Israel for the earth since the world began. But when you come to the Apostle Paul in the Bible, you come to a different situation. Because Paul says that he's preaching Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Now, think about that. If something has been preached about, prophesied about, and talked about since the world began, and then there's something that was kept secret, not talked about, not preached about, not prophesied about since the world began, now you ask yourself, are they the same? Well, obviously, no, they're different. There are two distinct programs in God's Word. Both focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, both center on on God the Son, God the Lord Jesus Christ, and what God is going to accomplish through him. But they are two different revelations about what God's going to accomplish through his Son. I've said it so often, a six-year-old kid that flunked kindergarten can get that. (laughs) You see, the Bible is meant to be understood the entrance to thy word giveth light. It gives understanding to the simple. When you're, when you're just willing to simply believe what the Bible says, I don't mean what religion says, what your church said, what your preacher said, what you thought it ought to have said, but just what it does say, then the Bible all of a sudden becomes an understandable book to you. Um, you don't need to break some special Bible code to understand the Bible. You don't need to look beyond under under the text and find some hidden code written out of things. The things that are in, on the pages of your Bible are written in plain words, in simple language. And by the way, you don't need to acquire some special status in order to understand the Bible. You don't need to know Greek. You don't need to know Hebrew. You don't need to have a preacher that does that. All you need to do is have a Bible, an English Bible, a King James Bible. And the reason I, again, the reason I say a King James Bible, as opposed to all the other versions out there, is because you want a Bible that has all the verses in it that ought to be there, and that leaves out the verses that shouldn't be there. Not one modern translation, the New International Version, the New American Standard Version, the English Standard Version, the and Bible, I mean, you go right down the, down the list and name the ones that are prominent today and the ones that will be prominent tomorrow. They all leave out important, ver- look, if they leave out one verse, every verse, every word of God is pure. Every verse is important. Jesus said, man, shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You don't need to leave any verses out of your Bible. And when someone comes along and gives you a Bible that doesn't have all the verses that ought to be in the Bible, then they're not giving you a complete Bible. And the only Bible that you can find in the English language today that has all the verses in it that ought to be there and has omitted all the verses that shouldn't be there, has the words in it that should be there and left out the ones that shouldn't, is a King James Bible. I talk to you about that occasionally, and I know somebody says, well, Brother Eck, don't you understand? I oh, it's just so hard to read. I need something that's easy to read. Balderdash. The King James Bible, if you take a... Uh, The the standard reading scoring system to to discern reading level, the King James Bible is about 7th grade reading. Now, it used to be 4th and 5th grade. Reading levels have gone down. (laughs) You understand, people's ability to read has gone down. Uh, When I graduated high school, uh, back in the late 1960s, the reading level was, um, when you graduated high school, you could read at a 12th grade level. Now, the average high school graduate reads at about a ninth grade level, so and, and they are considered ahead of the pack. I remember when I started college, uh, I, math was never a great subject of mine. The only class I've ever, that I ever failed in all of my schooling the only class I ever failed, I failed three times. And it was algebra 101, <laughs> first year, the first semester of algebra. I just was never a math guy. I went to college, and they said, well, you you don't test out so good in, in math, so they put me in a remedial math class, and I needed it, and it helped me a little bit, and I never did figure out algebra. I couldn't figure out when you have an equation, it's got letters and and, and uh, in it and, and, and numbers, and they don't spell words. I just couldn't get that. I'm a word guy. But anyway, I had to go through a remedial math class when I started college because my math wasn't up to standard. You know that... A great portion of the college freshmen today go through remedial English classes to learn how to read at English at something close to a college level. So don't give me this stuff about the Bible. It's hard to understand because it's hard to read. No, a lot of the reading skills. Listen, your mom and dad weren't any smarter than you are, were they? They could read it. My mother and dad, my grandparents, for 400 years, people have been reading and understanding. What is it? In the 21st century, we've just all become a bunch of dummies. Well, you know that might be debatable, but the Bible didn't change. The King James Bible. It's not that it's hard to read. Now, I understand it has some words in it that you don't. You might not be familiar with. But because the translators knew more about your language than you do, don't get mad at them. It's not their fault that they that they knew more about English than you do. What you need to do is is, is uh, maybe learn a little bit. Every book, any discipline that you get involved in, has its own set of terms, its own vocabulary, and the Bible's that way. I hear people say, "Well, you know, we we need a Bible that's easy to understand, so the man on the street can understand it." I don't know. I I hear people say that, and I wonder sometimes how much time they they actually spend on a street corner talking to people. You know, I've learned. I I started preaching as a as a teenager. And the first time I ever preached, I preached on a street corner. First time I ever preached in a building was in a rescue mission in Mobile, Alabama, the Mobile Rescue Mission. And I started working there uh, shortly after that. And for years and years, I worked at the mission. And I would go downtown after in in the Skid Rows, the bars, and the pool halls, and Skid Row, and and talk to people, trying to share the gospel with people. And I know what it is to preach on the street. Stand on, on a corner and pass out tracks. And I learned, I learned something back then. I learned that you could know something about the town and the community and the culture you live in by doing that. And for all these years since then, and that's been almost five decades ago, I occasionally go down on the street corner and pass out tracks. My wife and I just recently were down in, in, uh, in the city of Chicago, downtown in the loop. And there was a big festival going on, and there were literally tens of thousands of people on the streets down there. And there were people, you know, down there passing out tracks. And I stood there with them. And you watch the reaction that people get when you're passing tracks. Some people don't like it. Some people are afraid of you. Some people are interested. But what you learn is you learn something about the culture in which you live. If you go out on that street corner and you talk to unsaved people— You know what you discover when you read the Bible to them? They know that the Bible ought to sound different than the newspaper. They know the Bible ought to sound different than what a lot of these modern versions sound. They know the Bible ought to sound like God's Word. It ought to sound special. So don't get the idea that just because the King James Bible sounds a little different, that people are going to be unable to understand it. It's like I said, it's seventh grade English. You can understand it. You say, well, it's old English. Well, not m- m- most of it is not. Uh, there are some uh, words in it that are a little hard for you to understand. Uh, hard for you, you know. But like I said, that's because your grasp of English might not be what it ought to be. And you say, but what about the these and the thous? Well, these and thous and all that. Those are those are good things, not bad things. I know people like to mock the Bible because of the the these and the thous in it. You know what the difference between thee and ye, thou and you is. One the thee and the thou that's first person uh, that's singular second person pronoun, ye and you is the plural second person pronoun. If I say to somebody, I want you to go across the street. If I'm talking to an individual, I mean I need that individual to go across the street. If I'm talking to a crowd of ten people and I said I need you to go across the street, and I'm I'm from down south, I would say you all need to go across the street. You all need to go across the street. But in English, in most in 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 English grammar, you know, you, you think if I say y'all or you all, that uh, that's a regional thing, but I don't have a way to say you individually and you plural. I gotta add something to it because in our English, the second person singular and plural pronoun is you. But in your Bible, and by the way, in a lot of languages, Spanish for example, Greek for example. The second person singular and second person plural are different words. You can distinguish between them by the words that you use. Well, in your Bible, uh, the term thee and thou is used for the singular second person, talking about one singular individual. The ye and you is talking about a group. It's the plural second person. That, by the way, is why in the Bible God is always addressed as thee and thou not you. It's addressed as thee and thou. He's addressed as thee and thou because there is one God. And we recognize there's one God. And the use of the thee and the thou, that's not, you know, you hear, hear, and I know sometimes preachers, they just repeat what they hear people say and they don't know. And maybe some of them do and they just don't, they just fluff it off. But when you hear people talk about, well, when people are praying, they should, oh Lord, thou art, and that that's just a grove way of addressing, and that's not not it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with being polite, talking to the to the deity. That's true, but there's a doctrine involved there. You're saying there is one God, Lord. I recognize that you are the one God. Now, in in English, we had a way to say that. That was thee and thou. Today we we don't have the the ability to have that singular first per, second person pronoun, so we lose that. In a King James Bible, you still have that. That's my point. So you see, there are study aids that even the the older language uses helps you with. And I know people that are trying to sell new versions. They they you see when people are trying to sell you a bill of goods, they they try to pick out what they perceive as weakness in their opponent and try to exploit it. And sometimes what they're exploiting is really a strength and a weakness in themselves. Anyway, if you have a Bible, and preferably you have a King James Bible, so you have all the verses in the Bible, you ought to have them. You have them the way God intended you to have them. That Bible is meant to be understood. And it says, the entrance of thy word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. You don't need a special code to break. You don't need a special status or education level, college education, Greek and Hebrew education. If you take a King James Bible, and you do, you study it the way God said to study it. Second Timothy 2.15, study. The only verse in your Bible that will tell you to study the Bible tells you how to do it. And the reason I think God made this that singular case in that one verse is so that you didn't get diverted into 15 different ways. I have on my bookshelf in my library uh, books about hermeneutics, the science of the study of Scripture. And they have dozens of approaches to studying the Bible. There are dozens of ways to come at the Scripture, but there's only one divinely sanctioned, divinely instructed way. You don't just study the Bible like you study every other person's piece of literature. God said, you want to get the prophet out of my book, here's how you do it. Study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now that verse pretty much says it all. We're to study with a great aim. Our one great aim in studying God's word is to have God's approval. Not the church's approval, not my approval, not your approval, not grandma's approval, not the, you know your friend's approval, but to have God's approval study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman. God's Word is designed to work in you, work effectually in you that believe. If you want to have God's Spirit working in your life today, don't go sit out under a tree and just start praying for God to strike you down. Don't go into a closet and pray, oh, God, fill me with the Spirit. Listen, if you want God's God's Spirit to work in your life, He wrote the Spirit of God wrote a book all spirit, Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You see the word inspiration? inspiration. He took his Spirit and put it in some words and wrote it down. It's called Scripture. And God's Spirit works through his Word when you believe what it says. The Word of God works effectually in you that believe, First Thessalonians 2.13 says. So if you want God, the Holy Spirit, to work in your life, in your circumstances, in the situations where you are, you need him to work in your inner man, be strengthened by his spirit in your inner man. That's what his word does. And as you have that word work in you, it makes you into a workman. You begin to labor together with God. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, someone in whom God's spirit is working that needs not to be ashamed. You're doing exactly what God's doing. Rightly dividing the word of truth. You see, that's why the word of God is is for everybody. God intends his word to be understood by everyone. And the key is to read it the way God intends it to be read, rightly dividing the word of truth, making the distinctions that God makes in his word. Now you know that, that you know how sensible that is. Every book you pick up, go to your coffee table and pick up a book on your coffee table. If it's a novel. How do you read it? Well, if it's a novel, you begin at the first page and read all the way to the end. Because a novel is meant to be read as a story from one end to the other. If it's a book, say uh, a book about uh, the city that you live in, and there are pictures and there are chapters, then you can just go anywhere in it because it's all pretty much the same. And there's not necessarily an order to read it in. You're, you're free to treat it like a service board. And just read where you find pictures and stories that you like. But if you pick up a dictionary... Now you don't pick, you don't use a dictionary in either of those two ways, do you? When you have a dictionary, you take a word. You don't start at the beginning and read through till you find the word. You don't just go like a smorgasbord anywhere in there looking for the word. You know how to use a dictionary. You take the word and you take the first letter and you look up the alphabetical order and you find that letter and then you take the next letter in alphabetical order and find it and the next letter and you wor- we wor- work it down till you found the word and you understand how to use the alphabetical order to find the word in a dictionary. Because you know how to read a novel, you know how to read a a a, a uh, picture book of the city that you live in, and then you know you know how to read a dictionary. Well, if you can understand how to read different books like that, then you can understand how it is God has designed his word to be read in a certain specific way, and he's told you how to do it. That's the marvelous thing. He didn't leave us to our own devices in it. He said, here's how you do it. You, write it, you make the distinctions in my word that I made. Now, I began the program talking to you about the mystery. There are a lot of mysteries in the world today, in religion today. Should we have faith or should we have works to be saved? That's the most damning confusion there is. Satan wants to confuse you. Genesis chapter 3, the first time Satan speaks in in, in the record, he says, yea, hath God said? (laughs) He wants to confuse you about what God said. Confusion is one of his great tactics, and uh, it's the cause of confusion. He seeks to deceive the hearts of people, to trick you, to take you away from... That's why sound doctrine is... His most feared enemy. Because by sound doctrine, you can convince the gainsaying. You can uh, refute the error. Doctrine, or the lack thereof, has consequences too, by folks. Biblical illiteracy, not understanding the word of God, brings confusion. You look around you and people say, Well, should we work or shouldn't we work? Got verses say should, got work verse so we shouldn't to be saved. That can be the most damning confusion of all, because if you don't understand what the message of salvation is, you'll be lost eternally. Somebody says, well, how should we pray? Should we pray asking whatever we want to, or should we just pray? And that's one of the most perplexing things. People talk about, well, should we tithe? <laughs> That's probably the most fraudulent confusion there is today. We're going to go over these things. I, I see that I've talked a little bit too much about some of these other things. We didn't get to the what I wanted to, the doctrine, and they we'll start with that next week. I promise I'll start right up front with it and won't, won't talk so much about some of the preliminary things. But it's important for you to see that. Number one, you've got to have a Bible. You need to get your King James Bible. Number two, you need to know how to read it. You need to know how to make the distinctions God has put in his word. And the most basic fundamental distinction Is between what he calls prophecy, that which has been spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began, Acts 3.21, and the mystery, the secret, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Something that was made known, preached about, prophesied about from Genesis 1 all the way down to the ministry of Peter in the book of Acts. And then another message that was kept secret, not talked about, not preached about, not made known, until it was revealed by Jesus Christ from heaven to that other apostle, the apostle Paul. And that message that is given to us through the ministry of the apostle Paul is what God is executing in the dispensation in which we live today. That distinction between those two things will clear up the confusion of almost any topic you find when people are using the Bible— when you understand that the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and the early part of the book of Acts of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ to the nation Israel and the opportunity of the nation Israel to repent of their crucifixion of their Messiah in the early Acts period fits into that prof- prophetic program in time past and that a tremendous dispensational change takes place with the ministry of the Apostle Paul and now you have the dispensation of grace and the church the body of Christ where there's no Jew or Gentile, bond or free male or female but we have this equal status in Jesus Christ. The distinctions of time past have been done away with, and now everything's of God. God is rich to everyone, who no matter who they are. Paul's the one that says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision profiteth anything. <laughs> you don't find that till you come to Paul. That's why that distinction's so important. And when you see that, then you realize where our doctrine today is, is in Paul's epistles, Romans to Philemon. And you take those books sometime. Go check and see. Don't take it from me. Read read, read the book of Romans and compare it with what you read in, in, in the first seven chapters of the book of Acts or the book of Matthew. And see if you don't see that there's two different programs, two different ministries, both given by God, both focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. One, upon the ministry of Jesus Christ, the work of Jesus Christ with regard to prophecy. And one, the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest. Did I tell you that that's Romans sixteen twenty five? I'm quoting verses that I hope you're familiar with. Could I offer you a free Bible study tape. Uh, it's not a tape; it's a CD. That shows you how old I am. Uh, I'd like to give you a free Bible study, an audio study that uh, that deals with just the issue we're talking about: the mysteries solved by the mystery. This is a Bible study. Go over about a half a dozen different specific doctrines that we'll be talking about in the next few weeks that you can see how rightly dividing God's Word will clear up that issue for you and allow you to stand on your own understanding. Listen, if you've ever struggled with understanding God's Word, this is a key you need for yourself. I don't have anything for you to join. I'm trying to get you to go anywhere, do anything, give me anything. I want to give this to you because I know it'll change your life. You call me here at our toll-free number, 888-535-2300, that's 888-535-2300, and I'll be glad that you get your free copy of The Mysteries Solved by The Mystery, 888-535-2300 is the number to call. If you'd prefer to write, of course you can do that, Post Office Box 97, Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, one word, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108, Uh, that's The Riches of Grace, Post Office Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, 60108. You can write us and request the, the free Bible study, and we'll be glad to see it, that you get it. We can also find us on the World Wide Web at graceimpact.org, graceimpact.org. That's, that's our website. You can keep up to date with what we're doing and what, what, what's going on ministry-wise, conferences, and uh, my traveling schedule. Also, the uh, our publications, and if you want to listen to this Bible study again, or if you miss a broadcast and you want to catch up on it, we have all of that archive there. We have a television program uh, linked to there also. We have a weekly uh, TV program that uh, broadcasts over the uh, over Dish Network and the Direct TV uh, satellite network works, both of the national satellite networks, along with a number of um, local local. Uh, City broadcast uh, stations, Detroit, Michigan, and, and uh, so forth, places like that. Uh, in fact, if I can name them, if I start to name them to you, I'll forget them. But anyway, if you'd like the information about where and when the uh, TV program is, uh, you can uh, get that on the website also graceimpact.org.org. And uh, we'll be happy to have you uh, uh, go there and get any inf- information you can. The phone number, the easiest way to get in touch with us, of course, is the phone number, 888-535-2300. That's the number to call. And if you don't want to talk to an individual, um, write us at PO Box 97, Bloomingdale, Illinois, or get on the Internet, do it quick and, and personal, graceimpact.org. We're trying to be easy to locate. As I said before, we, we don't have anything for you to join. We're not trying to get you to uh, to do anything. Uh, We just want to exalt a person, the Lord Jesus Christ, out of a book called the Bible and make him everything, help you to understand God's word for yourself so that then God's word can work effectually in you because you believe it. There's nothing, nothing, nothing ever will be as exciting in your life as to have God's word working in you in response to your intelligent faith in his word. Because when you believe what he says, you'll see it'll work. But you can't, you can't believe something unless God spoke it to you. I've said many times, if you're going to believe the Bible, you have to believe the part of the Bible that tells you who the Bible is talking about in the passage that you're reading. That's why you need to know what, what all the Bible's for you, but it's not all about you. So you need to know what part of the Bible is to you and about you so that you can believe that for your life, and you can study the rest of it belonging to the people that God said it belongs to. So you've been in touch with us. we we'll would be happy to hear from you. can also tell you that if you're interested in being a, a real student of God's Word, get an in-depth study of God's Word, we also have a, a three-year Bible Institute program called Grace School of the Bible. And we'd be glad to send you information about that. You can find that on the website also. Grace School of the Bible is unique in several ways. One, it's, uh, it's delivered to you on an extension basis through the use of video. We make it available to you you can have, you can uh, watch it in, in in your own home, follow your own scheduling demands. We're not going to be standing over you with a with a um, a stick uh, the uh, The school by the way is uh, there's no tuition charge to be in, involved in the school and be a student in the school and we have, we have students all around the world. And graduates all around the world. In fact, we have preachers preaching from all around the world and uh, that have graduated from Grace School of the Bible. And if you're interested in being a, a, a real in-depth, sincere student of God's Word, the real advantage of, of, of Grace School of the Bible is not that it's available through distant learning, really, it's that it follows in its curriculum uniquely the Pauline Paul's design in his epistles for the edification of the believer. There's a specific way that Paul says saints are to be perfected, and Paul's design for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the saints, so that the edified, perfected saints can do the work of the ministry, is largely ignored by most of evangelical, by all of evangelicalism, really, and by the church in general for the past two millennia. Following his design, his pattern of sound words, the form of sound words, is the key to becoming established and being uh, established in the faith as you've been taught and then abounding therein with thanksgiving in service to him. If you'd be interested in in that, you let us know. We'll be glad to send you the information about Grace School of the Bible. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. And friend, if you're still not sure of your own personal salvation, that you have all your sins forgiven, that you have eternal life as a present possession, and that heaven is your home when you die, You let the folks that answer the phone know that, and we'll be glad to send you information, give you information out of an open Bible that show you the way. 888-535-2300 is the number to call. Thanks for being with us today. Till next time, Maranatha.